In 1962, a song written by Carole King and Jerry Goffin topped the worldwide charts. It was sung by King and Goffin's babysitter, who was aged 19. She was mad into music, the song, the locomotion, her name, Little Eva. I liked Mahalia Jackson and uh, the Laverne Baker and, uh, you know, any singer back there. And I, I like church songs, spirituals, hymns. I sang in, the, you know, the baby choir. Then I moved up to the teenage choir. And then I moved up to the adult choir later, in later years. And in school, I was in everything that had anything to do with singing. I was always, I was in a group. I forget what we call ourselves, but we used to sing the Chantel songs, and I can't remember any more girl group names then, but uh, the Chantels were a favorite, and we used to do their songs. You know, maybe we did that, and uh, we used to win a lot of the, of the contests, you know, if there was a contest. But uh, that's what I like to do. At first, um, in school, when they asked us to write essays, I would always say I wanted to be a nurse or a singer. Then some friends of mine got killed in a very bad traffic accident, and I changed my mind. I didn't want to be a nurse anymore. Then I just wanted to be a singer. And that was the beginning. In 1943, Little Eva was born Eva Boyd in the American South. She came from a poor family of 13. At 17, she moved to New York. She sang with a small vocal group called The Cookies, and she also worked as a babysitter for Goffin and King, the two great songwriters churning out chart-topping hits by the dozen. The babysitting job was because she had one daughter named Lulu, and she was expecting another. And uh, she did. She had uh, Sherry. And so I ended up, she, she asked me that I want to, you know, babysit. And I said, well, yeah, you know, that that's some extra money. So I became her babysitter, her housekeeper, her maid, or this or that, you know. But in the meantime, I was doing backup with a group called The Cookies. And we did uh, songs for uh, albums, like with Benny King, The Drifters. Um, and the cookies, of course, and, and myself, and uh, and some other people. I can't remember everybody now, but that's what I was doing before I did locomotion. Up on the roof, up on the roof. When this old world starts getting me down, and people are just too much for me. 
Throughout the early 1960s, the songwriting team of Goffin and King was prolific. They wrote massive hits including Will You Love Me Tomorrow, Halfway to Paradise, and this song, Up on the Roof. They had hits with The Drifters, The Shirelles, Bobby V, and they sometimes employed Little Eva Boyd to sing demo discs. One of those demos was a new song and a new dance. Publisher Don Kirshner loved the track and loved the singer. Little Eva's locomotion was born. go into the studio and do demos. I also did a demo of One Fine Day. You remember that by the Chiffons? I did that demo and um, some others up on the roof. I did a demo of that. And and I did a demo of Locomotion. Now, they wrote Locomotion for Dee Dee Sharp, who had the mashed potato time. And uh, it never got to, she never saw it. Because when they took it in, Don Kirshner was Carol and Jerry's producer at the time. And they took it into him, and he liked it. He said, Jerry already thought that it had hit written all over because, you know, they were just writing hits. Everybody that they wrote for had a hit. So they just knew that, but they didn't tell him that. So when he took it in, he listened to it, Don Kirshner. He said, hey, I want to go with her, you know, but I didn't know this. So what they did was they called me up from New York because that's where they, their offices were. And we were, I was in Brooklyn. They called me on on the telephone and told me to listen to a certain station at a certain time. So I did. I had the station going, you know, doing my work, tending to the children and stuff. And all of a sudden, I hear locomotion. But I thought it was Didi Sharp because I knew they had written it for Didi Sharp. But no, when I when the vocal came on, it was me. And I said, "Oh God, that's me! Wow." Wow, you know, I was just yelling and jumping and screaming and running all over the apartment. I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't. It was it was so amazing. I never can under, uh, explain how I really felt. You just can't explain it. It was wonderful. June 1962, the locomotion entered the Billboard charts. In August, it shot to number one in the USA. By September, it was number two in Britain. It became a worldwide smash hit recording, and the singer, five feet tall, was Little Eva.
I always said I was a country girl. I was. I'm from North Carolina, and I was so innocent. Not I didn't know anything about this big life, <laughs> especially the the rock business. And it it was so awesome, you know. I'm lear- I, I learned. I learned. I grew up real fast. I'll put it that way. I had to learn to cope. To to uh, I had to train myself to become this big person that I had become overnight. And uh, uh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun learning. I had a lot of help along the way. Uh, you know, other stars like the Shirelles and uh, the Supremes. Everybody they help you. You know, they, if you don't know. They tell you, you know, you do like this, and you, you know, groom, you know, groom yourself to perform on stage. You use your hands a certain way, and uh, well, singing I could do, but you know, you, you have certain things you have to do when you're on stage. Dancing I could do, so that wasn't a problem. And uh, I had a lot of help, and it was it was great. But it was a it was the biggest thing that had ever happened to me besides being born. We've been friends for. Following the locomotion, Little Eva released her second hit recording. It was called Keep Your Hands Off My Baby. It went top 20. She soon had three more hits, packed tours, LPs, EPs, but she was broke on a wage of $50 a week with nothing to show for her success. part of the scene back then. I mean, it, it was just it was just like making a record. <laughs> it's the way they did business. Everybody got the same deal. I mean, I can't say I got treated any worse than anybody else did. It was just what happened. I don't understand why it happened, but I know it did. You know, everybody tells the same story. I'm not the only one that says that. It happened because there was nobody to really look out for us. You know, and and these people are great. They give us a chance, you know, to do what we need to do with our talent. But they didn't look out for us financially. And that's just all there is to it. I mean, I don't, like I said, I, it hurt. It hurt me more than it made me bitter. It hurt me because I felt like I was part of that, you know, part of them. And 
it just hurt me. You know, I was I was just so disillusioned because I really believed that if I ever needed any amount of money, that it would always be there. And then when I found out, the only thing that could happen to me was hurt me. It hurt, and that's you know, it, it hurt me so bad until I just lost heart for it. I just didn't believe in it anymore. Throughout 1963, Little Eva continued to record and perform. She toured Britain, she broke box office records in Paris, and she also continued to chart. However, her fame was now dipping, her star fading, and by 1964, her recording success had diminished. Little Eva's career was all but over. I don't know if it was they were still trying to stay in the dance mode or what. I don't know. Like they came off it with "Keep Your Hands on My Off of My Baby," and then they went back to the dance mode again. I don't know if that what that's what it was, or it was just one of those one one time big hits. I don't know. I really don't know what happened. Not because they couldn't write, because they did, you know. But it just it just was locomotion was so big. I guess they couldn't top it. I don't know. And by that time, I found out that I didn't have any money anyway. You know, the money that I thought was there wasn't. And uh, that's a long story, something that I ha- I got, I have gotten over. And I don't really talk about it because I get royalties now. So I'm, it's not like uh, I'm not getting anything because I do get royalties. And um, that was a bad time in my life. It really was. My mom passed. I'm almost broke. If I didn't keep gigging, I wouldn't have had anything. But um, then after I, after I found out about that, I, I didn't have the heart for it anymore. I just didn't have the heart. And so eventually I just gave it all up. Darling, don't you know I want the best thing for you? But if the best thing for you isn't me, I'll understand. If you found another girl who satisfies you more than If someone else's arms can hold 
1971, after 10 years in the business, little Eva finally quit. By then, her marriage had broken up. She had three children to raise. Also in that year, her mother died. She returned home to Belhaven, North Carolina, to a life of hardship and poverty. She cleaned houses and cleaned police cells, and she also went on welfare to feed her family. If somebody else can Basically, I was what you could say a custodian. I was cleaning um, the police where I live in, in North Carolina. I was cleaning the police station, um, the courthouse buildings, you know, the offices are next. And um, I had a few houses that I did. And that's where I made my living for a while. And I had welfare and food stamps. It was pretty rough, but I'm, I'm the type of person that whatever happens, I make the best of it. You know, I didn't waste time grieving or worrying over it because it was over. You know, at the time it was over. So I did what I had to do because I had children and I had to take care of them, you know. My husband and I separated and and I had, uh, after, well, we had I had kids before I separated now. But um, then we tried to get back together and I had another kid. So, you know, so I had to do something to help myself and that's what I did. In North Carolina, little Eva returned to the church where she again found God. She sang in the church choir, she attended service, she patched up her marriage, had two more children, but then, tragically, her husband died. She developed an interest in gospel music and she found solace in her newfound religious beliefs.
I re-evaluated my values because I was raised to be a good girl. <laughs> Not that I became a bad girl. <laughs> but, you know, you get away from your upbringing if you leave home when you're on your own. So I I was involved in some things that weren't very Christian-like, you know, like I, I learned how to drink a little bit and smoke and all that. You know, I still smoke, but not heavy. But uh, um, I got away from the church. In other words, I stopped going. I didn't stop believing in God because I knew he was real, you know, because I was raised to believe that. And um, But I didn't, you know, have a church home or so, things like that or go to church. And then... When I first uh, left the business, and I was so disillusioned and so sad and so heartbroken that, uh, no, I didn't turn to God because of that. Eventually, I turned to God because I found out I needed him in my life, you know. And uh, then I began to go back to church, and I began to take part in the choirs again and sing. And uh, that was a fulfillment for me. You know, it was it was a good it was a good thing for me. You know, I don't. I don't try to force people into believing what I believe, but to me it's real, and it still is. It was real then, and it's real to me now. Because I knew in a, at a time in my life this happened, and it was it was it was more fulfilling than anything other than being becoming Little Eva and singing Locomotion. It was more real than that, cause it's lasting. You know, Locomotion lasts is lasting, but my status as a superstar. Went down the tubes, you might as well say, even though I'm still alive because of locomotion. But let's face it, we, we already said it didn't happen forever, but Jesus is forever. In the late 1980s, Little Eva was rediscovered. She was working as a waitress, People magazine found out. Soon, she was back in business. Looks like I've been another night. The boys, I tried to call on the phone, but you weren't home again. I guess that you've made some other plans, so I'll just get out the cards and round up a couple of hands What looks like I've been Another night with the girls I know you're out on the town You're running around again And if Yes, I have to confess 
the big break came when I got the job in the restaurant. And that's where I was when People Magazine found me. And People Mag Magazine found me because they were they do this thing, where are they now? And they were looking for me, and they saw this article that this lady in Belhaven had came in. She called them, as a matter of fact, to, te to tell them about me, where I was and what I was doing, because they do, where are they now? And she wanted them to know where I was. And uh, so they, came, they contacted me, and they came to North Carolina and, and, and did an interview. They sent cameras, crew, TV crew, everything to my house. And they did this big interview. And through that, everybody started contacting me. You know, all the magazines, all the TV stations, I, in the restaurant where I worked, every every TV station where I lived and from all over the world came and did interviews with me. And I still wouldn't consent to go back into the business. Well, in the eight months that followed, this very kind, wonderful man named Gary Cape contacted me. And the reason he contacted me because he saw this big write-up about me in a magazine called Goldmine, and it was out of Norfolk, Virginia. And he sent the man that did the interview to find me. And he came and he talked with me, and he told him to tell me to call him. So I went to the telephone booth, and I called him. And he asked me, would I please come back in the business because there was people that really loved locomotion and they loved me. I said, yeah, right. They love me, all right. They, yeah, they, you know, they might like locomotion, but I mean, here I am, over fifty. What in the world would I do out there, you know? So I wouldn't consent. It took me eight months, and he called and he talked to me and he would encourage me, you know. He talked. He became my friend. His family became my family, you know, per se. And uh, so then, uh, what really um, changed my mind was the fact that. There was a lot of people like disc jockeys and, and uh, newspaper people and people that wrote me and told me that I need, I need to do something about a certain thing that was happening. And I said, what is it? They release your record again in the U.K. There's people that's covering your record that are making a living off your record, and you're not making a living because, I mean, what are you doing? You know, these people were concerned. Okay, so that started me listening, you know. And then Kylie Minogue from Australia did it, and they did an uh, in-depth interview with she and I over the telephone. And then that was uh, the third thing, but the fourth thing was uh, this guy called uh, Michael McKnight, I believe, from BBC TV or radio or something. He said, you know that they are using your song to push these other songs, and I knew that because I've been told so many times. And I still didn't, you know, yeah, I'm sort of, I'm thinking about it, but, and he said, you know, you don't have to do what you're doing. You can make a living again, a, a decent living, or, or, you know, live beyond what you're living, the way you're living. And I said, well, that's right. And then the people kept, you know, kept saying, kept selling. But what really decided me was the fact that Gary said, you need to do this for you. You know, don't listen to, I mean, it's good that these people are concerned. He said, but you think about what you want to do. So I said, well, you know, I'll try. And if I don't or can't do it, then I, won't, I don't have to. Well, come on, everybody, let's start the party again.
Throughout the 1990s, Little Eva once more made a living from music. She toured on the 60s circuit with Bobby V, she appeared with Little Richard, and her recording of the locomotion continued to sell well. It was revived time after time, sometimes her version, sometimes by other stars, and it kept her name in the spotlight as a legend from times gone by. If I had to do it all over again, I would do it, but I would be wiser because <laughs> I know, you know, I know about it now. When you're 17, you don't have any business acumen whatsoever. You don't know the ins and outs of contracts. You don't know the percentage of the, the money from the record that you You don't even worry about it. I've heard this story from everybody. You don't think about that. You know, I didn't even worry about getting $50 a week. I mean, it wasn't that I couldn't get more money. You know, like, if I needed this, that, or the other, I could get the money for it. You know, go buy my clothes that I needed for stage and all that stuff. Or for everyday, you know, um, just sports clothes or whatever. And But I, it never entered my mind that there wouldn't be any money if I really needed some until it happened. And when it happened, it hurt. Hurt a lot. In 1998 and 2000, Little Eva toured once more in Britain and she continued to perform until 2001 when she was diagnosed with cervical cancer. She continued to live back in America, she conducted this interview with me, and then in April 2003 she died. Age 59, the massive star of the locomotion passed on.
The best part of it is I appreciate the people believing in me and still being around for me. That's the best part of all. Because if there's no people, then there's no little evil. So, I mean, so how can I appreciate myself and not appreciate the people that that's keeping me alive, keeping the, the record alive? So that's the best part of the whole thing. But now I appreciate the fact that after all these years, that they still are there. And that's the greatest thing of all. Locomotion is a fun song. It's, a, it's you can dance to it. You can you can uh, move around the room with a, a whole line of people. It's like line dancing near to country music, and it's just fun to do. You know, it's, you can make up your own dance if you don't know how to do it. You can do what you want to do to it. I see people doing things that I don't even do. You know, it's downstage when I'm on stage, I look and they're doing that hand jive and you know standing in line. Because they're not moving, they do other things to it. So I feel like I've left a, a legacy. Locomotion is a legend. And that's my contribution. Ooh. 